Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch, crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. All right, welcome into another live mock draft edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. I am Frank Stanfield, joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. And today we have ourselves a 12-team head-to-head points mock draft. Scotty, are you ready to draft? I am ready. I better be ready because I got the first pick here. So True story. Somebody left us a five-star Apple podcast review, which we appreciate, of course, but they uh-huh. wrote that Scott doesn't like being called Scotty and that I call you Scotty 100% of the time. And I actually mm. texted you a screenshot of it and because I had no idea. I was like, do you actually not like being called Scotty? And then you cleared up the situation. Well, yeah, I think we had a discussion on the podcast however long ago that I, I didn't like the, I, I was, I was called Scotty all the time growing up because my dad's name was also Scott and I didn't like it then. Mm. Now, you know, whatever. I don't care that much. Frank, what was your, your child nickname as a kid? Was it just Frankie? Yeah, I was, I was Frankie and my dad was Frank, but as yeah. I grew older, I became, I became Frank. So Scott, if you want to just be Scott, that's cool. I, I, I can, I can honor that. Whatever. You want to know what mine was? What do you got? Kiki. If you guys want to call me Kiki, just go for it. I would rather call you Chris. How you doing, Chris? Good, good. All right, Scotty. Let's uh, let's start off this mock draft. I know that you are in control here. You have the first overall pick. For those wondering, this again is a 12-team head-to-head points mock draft. A 21-round draft using the standard CBS head-to-head points scoring format. And for the hitters, we are using one of each infield position, three outfielders, one utility bat, no corner, no middle infielder. And then on the pitcher side, we have five starting pitchers and two relief pitchers. Of course, you can use Sparps. Those are starting pitchers. That you can use as relief pitchers. It's kind of a cheat code here in head-to-head point scoring. And then we do have five bench spots as well. Scott is drafting first overall. I have the fifth overall pick and Chris is drafting ninth overall. Scotty, you are up. Yep. Yeah, so I'm going Juan Soto. I'm not going with the starting pitcher, which itself says something about how the how the how things have changed from a year ago. Cause I think last year, right, in, in points leagues, we were going Cole, DeGrom, Bieber to start the draft in some order. Obviously, this is the format that rewards starting pitcher more. And I will be drafting a lot of starting pitchers. But 
that's going to begin in round two, particularly late in round two, where I'll be picking in round two. All right, and I am up on the clock. The first four picks in this draft were Juan Soto, Vladimir Guerrero, Fernando Tatis, and Jose Ramirez. I think all pretty standard in head-to-head points leagues, and I will be the first one to select a starting pitcher. I'm going to take Garrett Cole here, fifth overall. I haven't taken a starting pitcher often this year in the first round, but as we've mentioned many times in head-to-head points leagues, you want reliable starting pitching. And uh, despite the sticky substance situation last year, I do believe that Garrett Cole is the most reliable starting pitcher in fantasy. And I'm quite confident that I'll still get a really good hitter in round two. So interested I, to I, see who that I had be. you pick fifth, Frank, just to see if you do that. I was testing you. Oh, I appreciate I it. I, I was honestly, these first five picks are exactly how I have them ranked in this format. So. Honestly, I, I wanted somebody to take Garrett Cole before me to test myself to see if I would take <laughs> whatever hitter was available or Corbin Burns. I, I probably would have taken Burns anyway just because I wanted to try it out, draft a starting pitcher in the first round and, and see how it turns out. Uh, but nonetheless, Garrett Cole was there, and I'm very happy to take him. Uh, before we get further into the draft, for those watching us live on YouTube, please hit that like button and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We really do appreciate it. And for our listening audience, this mock draft will be broken down into two parts, so keep your eyes and your ears out for, for both of those, we'll probably break it up rounds 1 through 11, 1 through 12 in the first part, and then the uh, the second part of the draft, of course, uh, will, will be that second part in your feeds. After I selected Garrett Cole, we see Corbin Burns go to Dan Schneier, more like Dan Schneiper, because, man, I am not too excited to be drafting next to Dan uh, based on the, the draft that he had last week where he was basically taking the entire FBT team. So this should be a lot of fun. Uh, but after he selects Corbin Burns, we see Bryce Harper and Ronald Acuna go. And Chris, you are on the clock. Are we going with a hitter or a pitcher? It's a hitter. Um, and this is a tough spot in the draft because it, you've got Trey Turner, who's better in Roto, but still very, very good in points leagues. And then you've got Mike Trout, who... If he manages to play 155 games, very well may be the number one player in this format with how much he walks, how much power he has. So it's a difficult choice, but I am going to go with Trout here uh, over Trey Turner. That's how I have it ranked. That's how Frank has it ranked. That's not how Scott has it ranked. Ooh. Ooh. Disagreeing with Scott. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think of the, the Cunha pick at eight? We've seen him creeping up. Little by little, I think the longer this uh, the season's delayed, the earlier we're going to see him go. But you know, normally we're talking about a five by five context where his steals yeah. are much more pivotal than they are in this format. Obviously, I think it's, I think that the shallower the league, and again, this is a head to head points league where it, it is quite shallow. There's only three outfielders. You don't start a corner. You don't start a middle infielder. There's only five bench spots. You know, twenty one roster spots. I think that it's more defensible in a league like this because the replacement value, especially at outfield, is going to be so, so good. So I don't really have a problem with it. He's yeah, been walking more. I, I, and- I mean, I, I just think, you know, with Trey Turner and, and, and Mike Trout, I'm, I'm not sure in this format Acuna's upside is that much higher, if, if higher at all. It's not higher than Mike Trout's, I don't think. For um, what it's worth, Ronald Acuna averaged 4.2 fantasy points per game last year, which was the most among outfielders. Yeah, I mean, no, that's the thing is that he's turned into a a very high walk rate guy. He was 19% in 2020, 14% last season. So it's no longer the case that Ronald Acuna isn't as good in uh, 
points leagues. I mean, he, I suppose he is better in Roto than points, but it's not, it's like Trey Turner where there's not really a gap. And I would say the gap is probably smaller for Acuna now. So yeah, I think it's fine. I I just, I don't know if he's safer than Mike Trout in terms of injury. And I don't know if he's safer in terms of production. So that, that's the thing that's hard to, to, to get around there for me. I I guess the way I'd put it is uh, assuming good health for everybody. It's a two horse race who the best hitter is in, in Roto between Tatis and Acuna. And it's more like an eight to 10 horse race who the best hitter is in points leagues. Mm. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, let's catch people up here. A lot of picks going down after I selected Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns went, then Bryce Harper, Ronald Acuna, Chris selected Mike Trout, and then Trey Turner, Walker, Walker Bueller, and Freddie Freeman to finish out round one. And then uh, the first three picks of round two, we see Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, Mookie Betts, and Chris, you select Brandon Woodruff. Did that go into your process, your 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 thinking of selecting a hitter first, just because you had a good feel that you would get one of these ace starting pitchers in round two? Well, and I think the the hitters at the end of the first round are just better. I think like the gap between Max Scherzer and Brandon Woodruff, I don't think is as big as the gap between Mike Trout and Kyle Tucker or Bo Bichette, who are in that range. So I, for me, it's mostly just a, it comes down to how the, the player pool is distributed there, where I think, like Scott said, the there there's that tier of about eight, maybe ten. I think you can make an argument that Mookie Betts should be in there, Freddie Freeman potentially. Um, so I think that is, that is what made me go with the hitter more. Like I, I wasn't necessarily going to take a pitcher, in the second round, I was actually hoping Mookie Betts would be there. All right. After you selected Brandon Wood- Woodruff, we do see Zach Wheeler go off the board. One of four starting pitchers who went 200 plus innings last season. Of course, fantastic in all formats, but I, I think maybe even better in head-to-head points leagues. And then after that, Bo Bichette and Shane Bieber are off the board. And I have a decision to make. Kyle Tucker is my highest ranked hitter. And then Shohei Otani, who... His value in a points league does take a hit because he strikes out a lot and you're just going to use him mostly as as a hitter, not as a pitcher at all, really, in this format. Um, and then I have the third baseman. So I want to make sure that I do get a, a really strong third baseman. And I think I'm going to go that route and see how it turns out. I'm going to select Rafael Devers. Again, Kyle Tucker, my highest ranked player, but you only start three outfielders in this format. And I think that there are some really strong ones in the middle rounds. Uh, specifically in a points league. So I'll take Rafael Devers, make sure I, I lock up that third baseman. You're seeing the effect here with the the starting pitcher, pitchers being pushed up in this format, though, because already we're through Wheeler and Bieber being gone. It's it's not un, at all uncommon in a 12-team Roto League for one or both of those guys to last into round three. We're still in the middle of round two here. Yeah. Uh, so Now, the thing that's going to be interesting with regards to the gap, the balance between hitters and pitchers in points leagues this season, especially is whether last year being a relatively down year for the high end pitchers, only one top 600 points, uh, actually only one top 582 points. And that was Walker Bueller at 638. If you look at uh, previous seasons, the, the leading pitchers were often 650 or better, often 700 range. So that's, the 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 hitter high ends has mostly been between six and six hundred and six fifty over the past like six seasons, but pitcher 
took a big step back at the top end and whether Garrett Cole can get back to that range. Uh, you know, he was 741 points in 2019, whether Shane Bieber can get back to that range. He was on pace for 750 in 2020. That's, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And obviously that's, I think also a thing to watch in Roto, but especially in points leagues, are we seeing a shift from the high end pitchers giving you that kind of edge like they once did? Yeah. And this, basically lines up with what we talked about in our starting pitcher previews is that the elite starting pitchers, the ones drafted in those early rounds, they didn't separate themselves as far away uh, from the mid, from the mid tier as they have in years past. And they didn't do it last year. So uh, we'll see if they can uh, get back on track in 2022 and whether or not they, um, they can do that. They, they can separate themselves a little bit more. And, and this is, this is consistent with what we saw in our first head-to-head points mock draft uh, that we did. Well, not our first, but one that we did about a month ago in February where there were eight starting pitchers drafted in the first two rounds. And with Scott selecting Julio Arias 24th overall, that now gives us nine starting pitchers in the first two rounds. So that's that's pretty common. Uh, we did a roto draft last week where there were only six starting pitchers drafted in the first two rounds. So this is about right. You know, two or three more pitchers going in these first two rounds than, than we're used to seeing. Uh, and Scott, you are on the clock with your mm-hmm. third round pick. Who you got? So yeah, I took Juan Soto with the number one overall pick, an outfielder in a three outfielder league. Kyle Tucker stands out as the player who um, maybe slid beyond where he normally goes. I'm going to pass on him. I, I, don't want to, I don't want two outfielders with my first three picks, plus I'm really nervous about what the starting pitcher pool is going to look like 23 picks from now when I get a chance to pick again. So I'm, I'm going back-to-back pitchers here. Uh, Julio Arias and Sandy Alcantara, also considered Robbie Ray. But I just feel safer with those two, especially in the points format, Well, where I think Alcantara's, Alcantara's value is bolstered. So yeah, I, I may go pitcher-pitcher in round four or five also. We'll see what's still available when it gets to me. Scott, there's a new rule here on the podcast that if you select Sandy Alcantara during a live mock draft, you have to say his name like John Travolta does in the movie Grease. So are you willing to accept the challenge? I, I have not seen the movie Grease. <laughs> I'm surprised you have, frankly. All right. So- Hold on a second. For all the movies that I haven't seen, Chris, uh, uh, Scott, I mean, we're talking about a classic here. A classic. Yeah, but you haven't seen a lot of classics. <laughs> That's true. I've seen Grease a lot of times in my life. It's a classic that hasn't sounded appealing to me, so I've never made it a priority (laughs) to watch it. But, you know, it could be great. I just haven't, you know, I haven't had the occasion to watch it yet. It's definitely a classic in the, like, 35-year-olds playing high schoolers genre, (laughs) Um, which is always a fun one. Uh, So, basically, Scott, you just have to say Sandy, like, in a really high-pitched voice. Sandy. All right, well, you, all right, you're allowed to have Sandy now. You selected both yeah. him and Julio Rios at the turn. Who yep. went just before that? We see Shohei Otani, Manny Machado, Ozzy Albies. Those were at the end of round two. Obviously, Scott took the two pitchers there. And then Yordan Alvarez, Aaron Judge, and Kyle Tucker. Uh, three outfielders go right ahead of me here. And I have to decide between Luis Robert and another starting pitcher. Mm, 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 mm. So it's. I am going to. 
I'm going to select Luis Robert. Uh, time will tell if that is the right decision. Uh, I do have Lucas Gilito ranked ahead of Aranola. I, I think that they're really close. Uh, maybe, yeah, I mean, especially in a points league, maybe Nola's a little bit better in this format. But uh, Luis Robert, you know, strikeouts were much better last year. Doesn't really walk all that much. Uh, admittedly, much better in a roto or categories format. But he usually goes in the second round in that format. So to get a, a one-round discount here, uh, if he breaks out the way that I think he can, that many people think he can, I, I don't really think it will matter. I think he'll still be really good in points leagues as well. So, I did want to comment on Judge and Alvarez going ahead of Kyle Tucker. Uh, obviously, we would never see that happen in a roto league. Tucker might be a borderline first-rounder. He's getting elevated because of the steals, all 14 of them he had last year. But it it is worth mentioning. He he outscored both Judge and Alvarez on a per game basis, even in this format last year. Three point five one versus three point three five for Judge, three point two five for Alvarez. Very close. And I I think maybe there's room for Judge and Alvarez to exceed last year's numbers in a way maybe there isn't for Tucker. So I, I don't think it's wrong necessarily, but it is worth commenting on. And you know who else outscored those gentlemen on a per game basis? Luis Robert, who I just got. So uh, Luis Robert and Kyle Tucker, both right around 3.5 fantasy points per game last season. After I selected Luis Robert, Matt Olson goes, then Aranola, and then Lucas Giolito. I believe Matt Olson is Dan Schneier's first hitter on his team, so I'll check in on that. But in the meantime, Chris, you are on the clock. You have one hitter in Mike Trout, and you have one pitcher in Brandon Woodruff. Where do you go now? Yeah, it's it's a tough spot. I think there's a, a little bit of a drop off here um, where I don't feel quite as safe with the options that are available. I am going to go with a pitcher here mostly because I think the hitter who I want will still be there the next time around. Mm. And it's entirely possible that that hitter would still be here the next time around. Um, I have a so, I have a really good feeling I know who it is, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, so the pitcher that you select here is Robbie Ray. Yes, Robbie Ray. And you take him 33rd overall. One pick later, we see Nolan Arenado go. And uh, Chris, I mean, it kind of feels like you're the optimist of the bunch. I believe that you have Robbie Ray ranked the highest. I mean, we're all mm-hmm. kind of in a you know relative range. I think we all have him between like 10 and 13 or 10 and 14. But it, it appears that you are the highest on him. Yeah, I just... One thing about it is just... Among a lot of the starting pitchers in this range, he has at least shown the ability to get through a season healthy consistently. He hasn't racked up huge innings totals often because he's been inefficient, but um, you know, he has done, I think either a 30, 30 starts or a 30 start pace each of the past three seasons. Um, 2018, he only had 24 starts. I'm trying to, I think there might've been an injury that season. Um, But that helps. And also I just buy the improvements that he made just because I do think there was a conscious decision. It's oversimplifying it to say throw strikes, um, but to throw his fastball in the zone more often. Robbie Ray is the type of guy who is going to get hit hard when he gets hit, but he he decided last season, I think he figured out that when you get as many whiffs as he does, when you get as many strikeouts as he does, the one thing you can't do is have runners on base when you give up those home runs. And so I don't know necessarily if this was a situation where Robbie Ray's command got better uh, or if his control did. You know, I think there is a difference between the two of them. But I think functionally, 
what he did was repeatable. I believe what they told him last year, and this sounds super simplistic, but they told him to just aim for the middle of the zone and, yeah. and your stuff. Yeah, effectively, yeah. Yeah, and, and your stuff will will make it work. I mean, it'll, it'll basically and, and play a, out. Just, that's a, an approach that, you know, like, I think someone like Trevor Bauer, when he was pitching really well, he had a very similar approach because Trevor Bauer wasn't someone who really showed up highly in the various control metrics. You know, you know, Saris has a control metric. He, Trevor Bauer is always among the worst among the high-end pitchers, but it was the stuff is so good that, yeah, you're going to give up home runs. And I think Robbie Ray is like this now too. Yeah, you're going to give up home runs. You're going to give up extra base hits, but solo home runs don't really hurt you. You know, it's the, it's the meltdown inning followed by the three-run home run. That really has been the problem for Robbie Ray. And so I think avoiding that is the biggest improvement that he made last season. And it was a conscious decision, like you said. So I, I, I buy it. And that goes back to the Justin Verlander school of thought, yes. basically, where, you know, a couple of years Max ago. Max Scherzer, another guy who, who yeah. gives up more home runs than you would think. As these guys have, I mean, look, they've age like fine wine. They're basically in the prime of their careers, this late in their careers. Both Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, they are fly ball pitchers. They allow a lot of home runs, but not with runners on base. They do a great job of limiting walks, so they are you know they can give up a lot of fly balls and give up these home runs. It doesn't really matter when they're getting as many strikeouts as they are to help them wiggle out of jams, uh, and, and a lot of those home runs wind up being solo home runs. We have paused the draft. I am going to catch people up on what is going on here. After Chris selected Robbie Ray, we saw Nolan Arenado, Austin Riley, Charlie Morton to finish out round three. And then to start round four, man, the the double Scotty snipe here. Charlie no, Morton f- and Salvador Perez at the three four. Favorite turn. hitter and pitcher Ooh. to draft, Nathan Judah, our friend from over in the UK. Drafting at whatever ungodly hour he's drafting at, <laughs> decided to take both. I do not approve. Uh, I do approve. Well, technically, but. yeah, you do approve, but maybe, <laughs> maybe not in this draft. Uh, after Salvador Perez went, we see Xander Bogarts, then Kevin Gosman. Chris selects George Springer, which is the player that I assumed he was going to take. Love so. him in a point. I mean, love him in all formats, but especially in a points league at the top of that uh, Blue Jays lineup. I just, I think he could be one of those guys who. Pushes 600 points if he stays healthy. Yeah, 1,000%. Springer is, honestly, you could probably argue he's a third-round pick in this format. Then Pete Alonso goes, and then Lance Lynn, and then Teoscar Hernandez. And here I am on the clock, and maybe it was a mistake to not take a pitcher in round two. Uh, There seems to be a whole tier of starting pitchers coming up, but I don't really love any of them. Yeah, you know, got, to go back to Springer, bad. <laughs> uh, to go back to Springer bad, real quick, yeah, he reminds me of Aaron Judge at this point last year. That the only argument against him is the injuries. Right. And mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a guy I love to pick. That is yeah. correct. Um, I've struggled getting a second baseman in the past couple of drafts, so I can put a little bit more emphasis on that. Paul Goldschmidt yeah, up at the not great right now. Paul Goldschmidt up at the top. Uh, it's certainly not great for being in round four. What we're used to seeing in round four. Uh, there, right. are, there are quality pitchers there still, but they all feel like reaches. Yeah. They're probably or, not. Yeah, or just uh, various varying levels of risks. You know, like yeah. that, the top ones, I think, on on most of our boards are going to be like Jack Flaherty, Chris Sale, Logan Webb, Max Freed. Right. A, a pretty risky group. Right. I wound up selecting Paul Goldschmidt. I 
I've said multiple times that I like Paul Goldschmidt this year. I buy into what he did. If you look at his career, he's basically hit 285 or better every season outside of the shortened 2020. So that is a player that I want to buy. His stack cast numbers were better last year than they ever were. We're talking about somebody who I think is like a borderline Hall of Famer just based on like his offensive you know, numbers that he's accumulated in his career. So I buy it. I like the player, Paul Goldschmidt. I know, you know, first base, we've got the profit pocket a little bit later on, but uh, I'm in on Paul Goldschmidt. Take him here in the middle of the fourth. There were a few other hitters I was debating. I won't mention them just in case they make it back to me. We mentioned starting pitcher. Doesn't feel like any of these guys are worth taking in the fourth round. So uh, I now have three hitters, Paul Goldschmidt, Luis Robert, and Rafael Devers, and just one pitcher, Garrett Cole. Uh, so... Let's see how that pitching staff turns out. And I sniped Tim Kanek. So take that, Tim, for all the times you've sniped me in the drafts that we've done. Uh, he selects Marcus Semien. Then Francis, uh, Francisco Lindor, Wander Franco was one of those hitters that I was debating. But shortstop is very deep. So yeah, maybe that's a mistake just because Wander Franco could be really, really good in this format. But I, I think I'll be able to get a strong shortstop later on. Which brings us to Scott. Scott, you have Juan Soto and two pitchers, and you are on the clock for for two picks. So I am. So I am. Well, I'm definitely going to take Chris Sale here. I have him and Jack Flaherty rounding out that tier at starting pitcher where Lance Lynn and Charlie Morton, where those guys are also. Um, So why don't I go Sale and Flaherty? I don't know. I'm not sure Flaherty really belongs in that tier. He might belong in the next tier. I just don't have a high level of confidence in him. He's he's really weird because it kind of depends on which metrics you look at, how you want to feel about Jack Flaherty. I mean, obviously yeah. there are just, he only made 17 starts last season, so that's not great. But also like his XERA the last two seasons is over five. His That's wild. But his XFIP was 342 so many- in 2020 fits and starts for him over the past yeah. two years that you could slice and dice the mm-hmm. handful of starts up in ways to make him look good, great, or look him, make him look bad. I, I just think there are enough other pitchers out there with close enough upside that I'm willing to pass him up. What I'm actually going to do here is I, I admit it's a reach a little, but when you have only nine hitter spots to fill, you really don't want any of them to be weak, except maybe catcher, catcher you could maybe get away with. Uh, I'm going to take Alex Bregman here, the start of round five. This is his better format because plate discipline is, is something he excels at. But it, part of it was just the fact Arenado went early in round four, leaves me without a buffer at third base. Um, Bregman is kind of the last, at, at least from how I size up third base, the last option I can really feel good about at a very weak position. So I'll take him and, and take my chances at the other positions that there'll still be players I like when it comes back to me in 20-something picks. All right, so the picks for Scott there at the turn. Again, Chris Sale and Alex Bregman, and we are off into round five, and JT Real Muto goes 50th overall. I did want to point out, for whoever selects Jack Flaherty, it, it might be me. I think he, he is really hard to figure out. Uh, 2020, you know, starting and stopping, and the Cardinals had all this COVID stuff going on. Last year, he dealt with the, the shoulder injury. But 2018 and 2019, he made 61 starts. He had a 3.01 ERA. He had a 1.03 whip. And that was basically 
at the height of the batted ball era uh, of the juice ball era. I don't know. I I think he's a really talented pitcher, even though like some of the underlying metrics are kind of weird for him. Um, but yeah, but yeah. it's also worth remembering. <clears throat> he was awful to start 2019. You remember how good he was at the end of that season. He had that historic sure. stretch where he had an ERA under one for the final 16 starts. He had an ERA almost five in the first half of that season. So he's just been a little all over the place in his career. It, it's, it's a weird thing for a guy who's, you know, coming up on 700 or 500 innings. Yeah. My, my belief is le- like you, Frank, that he's legit, but it just, there are, he, he's raised a lot of questions over the past two years. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. And if, uh, look, I'm going to keep banging this drum. I mean, when it comes to the Cardinals, they have a fantastic defense behind them and they obviously play in a great division for, in terms of opponents who they're going to be facing the pirates, the Cubs, you know, the Reds ballpark is tough to pitch in, but you know they lose Castellanos lineup not as good as it has been. Uh, so I do like targeting Cardinals pitchers quite a bit myself. Uh, after JT Real Muto was selected, Jose Barrios and Max Fried both go again. Barrios is awesome uh, in this format. So many quality starts over the past you know three or four years. He's consistently um, giving you the volume that you need. So obviously volume is massive in this format and then Max Freed look down the stretch he was going six plus innings consistently I believe he had one or two complete games during that time so uh yeah really do like Max Freed and then I, selected, I was Freed would make it to me I selected Logan Webb and I was struggling I, I was I wanted to take Jose Altuve who went one pick later to our buddy Dan Schneier here um because I've struggled with second base in a lot of these mock drafts and it still kind of felt like I was reaching on Logan Webb. I mean, he was my highest ranked starting pitcher, but I feel like he's part of a tier where it's like we're starting to get into that glob area where they all kind of feel the same and there's not really a standout. But I will say, if Logan Webb meets his potential and his ultimate upside, I think that he could be awesome in this format. I mean, the ground balls allow him to go really deep into starts. His K minus walk. Uh, he has really strong control. He showed it last year down the stretch. I think it was 12 quality starts over his final 15 starts. And then, you know, two more seven plus outings in the postseason. So uh, if, if that is the pitcher who we're getting in 2022, then Logan Webb could be amazing in this format. I know Chris, you've talked recently uh, about the, the downside and, and basically the, uh, the cons of drafting Logan Webb maybe this early in a draft. But I'll take him as my SP2, especially when I have Garrett Cole. After I selected Logan Webb again, Jose Altuve, Cattell Marte, sorry Chris, and then uh, Trevor Story, and you select Whit Merrifield. Were you going to take Cattell Marte if he was there? Um, I think so. I think so. That, that you know, filling that second base spot like you talked about a little earlier, that, that can be a, a problem. And, you know, Whit Merrifield, for, for all the talk of, you know, he's he's slowing down or whatever, or the concerns that he might be hitting, you know, getting close to the end, he has 33. Uh, he's basically been <coughs> 500 points or on pace for 500 points every single season that he's been a regular. Since 2017, that was his worst at 479. He's been at 515, 511, 197.5 in 60 games in 2020. That comes out to 500 points or right around there if he pays it out and then 501 last season. So you know, he's a bit of a compiler, but I do think that sort of undersells the fact that like he does play every day. 
yeah, maybe the fantasy points per game won't be as flashy for Whit Merrifield, but the fact that he plays as much as he does, I, I believe he's played every game over the past three or four seasons. The guy is just an Ironman, so uh, should hit near the top of that lineup for the Royals, which obviously leads to more plate appearances and more opportunities for fantasy points. After you selected Whit Merrifield, we see Will Smith, the catcher, gets selected 58th overall. He's the third catcher off the board. And then Cedric Mullins and Freddie Peralta to finish out round five. And then Justin Verlander, Starling Marte, and Max Muncie, the first Mm. three picks of round six. Interestingly enough, I wanted to bring up, I listened to an interview with Max Muncie on Monday. And honestly, there wasn't much information to take away from the interview, but uh, a few things that he said during this interview was that he was swinging a bat. So that's good to note. Uh, You know, the last we heard from Max Muncie uh, was that he had a torn UCL. However, Tommy John surgery was never even on the table. So he mentioned that like this was a really bad situation for him overall, that he had a torn UCL, uh, but it was like the best of a bad situation. That's how he described it. So, I mean, it's so tough because like, Torn UCL sounds really bad, but what what does it mean? You know, is it entirely torn where it, it can't heal or was it partially torn? Did it heal? It's his non-throwing arm. He can play. So it's like, I don't know. I I feel like he's a really good value. He, not necessarily I, at 68 not 63 overall. Yeah, overall. I mean, this yeah, is his but, better format because he's one of those guys who gets a lot of walks in lieu of hits, so the batting yeah. average is low, but the right. OBP, OBP is high. But he is a top 80 player, if healthy, top 70 player, if healthy, if in both healthy, formats. Yeah. I, I just, and he's been the thing is, he's been falling to like 150 yeah. in a lot of drafts right now. Yeah, we, I, I mean, there the list of at least known UCL victims who have managed to avoid Tommy John surgery for the long haul is very But how, how many of them were non-throwing arm? That's the thing that's so difficult is like, because yeah. I can think of hitters who have had torn UCLs and they all needed Tommy John surgery, but right. it was like Matt Weeders. It was his throwing arm. He's a catcher. Can't right. get around that. Glaber yeah, Torres, I mean, there, there shortstop. Are some I think Byron Buxton. No, but... I have a hard time believing he's going to be able to put it off forever just because we so rarely see it. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think Shohei the odds are maybe really good. 10 to 20%. Max Muncy is able to navigate this season with that injury. And I just think, I mean, certainly as early as he went here, I wouldn't be willing to make that gamble, but he'd, he'd have to really slip to, he'd, he'd have to slip to the late rounds, I think, for me to take a shot on it in, in any format. I'll take him in the 10th round in any format. I think 150th overall is is about the right time to take that gamble. Maybe you push him up in this format just because he's really, really good in points leagues. Uh, a few other items from that interview. Uh, he said the idea was for him to be ready for opening day. This is Max Muncy we're talking about. And he won't know for sure how his body reacts, how his elbow reacts, until he's swinging a bat in real live games, and he's actually playing in those games. So uh, mm-hmm. once we have... Spring or summer training, that should tell us a lot about Max Muncie. What else is going on here in round six? I mentioned at the top, Justin Verlander, Starling Marte, and Max Muncie. Then Chris selected Corey Seager. Then Josh Hader, our first closer off the board. Joe Musgrove. Uh, yeah, Joe Musgrove was next. And then Byron Buxton. I selected Jack Flaherty, someone I thought about taking with our, with my last pick. So now I have three starting pitchers 
Garrett Cole, Logan Webb, Jack Flaherty. Feel pretty good about that. Um, and then Alec Manoa, Chris Bryant, and Frankie Montas. So starting pitchers are a fly in here, Scotty. And you have, I believe, three of them. Mm-hmm. You have three. Yeah. So are are you uh, are you looking to select more here? Yeah, I'm definitely going to take Luis Castillo here because he's the last of a he's the last before a, a drop off. Um, my second player I'm going to take is going to be a hitter. Uh, let's see. There's a drop off coming at second base. So yeah, I'm going to make this simple and go Brandon Lau as my other pick. Um, I also need a shortstop, but there are a few more options there that I can fall back on. I feel like I didn't want to mention you know, back at the five six turn, RJ White took. Uh, you know, he was he was picking eleventh overall. So, with two picks in between these picks, he took Cedric Mullins and Starling Marte, two guys who we see fall a couple of rounds in points league just because, again, steals aren't a requirement here. But they both still scored a ton of points last year, so I think it was smart on RJ to capitalize on those picks. I also thought it was interesting. You know, one of the two picks in between, Justin Verlander going ahead of uh, Joe Musgrove, Jack Flaherty, Frankie Montas, my Luis Castillo pick. I feel like we're seeing people, people are getting more sanguine about Justin Verlander's Tommy John recovery and are, are more willing to bet on the upside, which yeah. I, I think is reasonable. I think with yeah, honest, with a lot of pitchers, the, the more the games that more games that are canceled, the shorter the season is, it, the more it helps Anybody who's re- returning from an injury or, you know, has serious injury concern like a Jacob DeGrom or, or a Shane Bieber. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Verlander, I've mentioned it many times, you know, by the time April came around, he was going to be 18 months removed from Tommy John surgery. So uh, the further he gets from that surgery, uh, I, I think the more confidence we have in him, you know, not only uh, going deep into his starts consistently, but going deep into the season as well. Uh, let's catch people up here. Scott, you selected Luis Castillo and Brandon Lau was your first pick of round seven. And then Dylan Cease, Trevor Rogers, and Shane McClanahan. So, yeah, young upsidey pitcher run. Yeah, which, look, as much as I like these guys, round seven, it's it's probably too early for these guys. Um, Shane O'Mac, by the way, let's, let's just give him his credit. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. All right, I need a second baseman or a shortstop, and I do not have a lot of time to decide which one I want, so I'm going to select Jorge Polanco. There you go. I finally get a decent second baseman in one of these mock drafts, and uh, coming off of a career year last year, a standout in points leagues, he makes a lot of contact. I think the power probably takes a bit of a step back, but even if he's mid-20s in homers, 8-10 to steals, strong plate discipline, hitting in the top three or four of what I expect to be a pretty good twins lineup. Like say what you want about the team overall, the pitching staff, you know, the bullpen, but their offense, I, I think it's going to be pretty good. So uh, I, I do like Jorge Polanco and, and even some of their other hitters later on, Josh Donaldson, we spoke about on yesterday's podcast as well. After I selected Jorge Polanco, then we see Blake Snell and Nick Castellanos. Uh, Castellanos, I think is a fantastic pick at this point as well. 79 yeah, he, overall. He'd been my top player for about 25 picks in a row. <laughs> yep. 
And if I hadn't already had two outfielders, I probably would have taken them. I think that's part of the strategy of drafting, right? Because it's not Mm -hmm. just always select your best player available. If there is a format to do that, this is probably the one because you just want as many points as you could possibly get. But, you know, you look at each position and you see, all right, well, which one is dwindling down? And and in my opinion, uh, second base is starting to fall off a little bit. So uh, while Nick Castellanos was my highest ranked player as well, I chose to go with Jorge Polanco because I don't really want to be locked out of second base later on. So Yeah, I mean, you just basically described the tiers approach to drafting, seeing which right. position is dwindling the most and taking from there. And I, I think I think this format, it encourages that approach more than just taking best player available because you have, to, you have so few hitter spots to fill. You have to make sure that you... That you um uh, that you fill them in the most optimal way. That's not going to uh, prevent a a uh, you know just just so you maximize the output of the output and the value of every lineup spot. All right. After Blake Snell and Nick Cassianos went, we see Brian Reynolds. I think another great pick in a the head-to-head points format. Chris, you select Jose Abreu, and then Liam <laughs> Hendricks and you Darvish. Chris, I've seen you take a lot of. Jose Abreu so far this offseason, whereas in years past, he's he's not really your guy. Well, his price is falling. That's kind of... Yeah. My, my guy, if I have a guy, is the guy who was more expensive last season, whose skill set didn't change much, and that's Jose Abreu. I think, like, part of it is I just kind of hate this part of the draft right now. Like, I, I just... I'm looking around, and I just don't like anybody. <laughs> and so, it was like, well, might as well get a guy who racks up counting stats um, in Jose Abreu. I, I think he's you know, going to be one of the eight or so best first basemen every year. I just, you know, I didn't like him last season because I thought he was being drafted way too high. But there's, um, I think there's, it's easier to talk yourself into him now than, um, than it was last year, at least for me. And plus I, I have a guy I'm trying to figure out if I want to take the, take the shot on yet um because like i said i don't like this range of the draft so i kind of just want to take upside at this point and if i'm gonna fill that last outfield spot there's one name that really stands out for me as far as potential upside in this format so i may go a little off the board here Mm, Uh, all right let's uh Let's see who Chris may or may not select, but in the meantime, I'll catch people up. Liam Hendricks, Yu Darvish, and Carlos Correa, those were the picks after Jose Abreu that finishes out round seven. And before we get to round eight, I do want to let you know that this Saturday, March 12th on CBS Men's College Basketball Conference tournaments are underway, and so much will be on the line, starting at one Eastern with the Big Ten semifinals. Then at six, another school claims their automatic bid to the madness at the Mountain West Championship. We'll get you set for tip-off at 12 Eastern with our crew on Inside College Basketball, a huge Saturday of men's college hoops this Saturday on CBS. Also, don't forget to join our FBT March Madness Bracket. The winner will get to choose which listener league they want to be in this year. You can find the link in the podcast and the YouTube description. We are going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to catch you up on round eight here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. All right, so what's happened in round eight? Clayton Kershaw goes with the first pick here, 85th overall. Then Javier Baez, Adam Wainwright, and Chris selects Christian Yelich. And then Pablo Lopez, Jesse Winker, and Tim Anderson. I can tell Dan is probably watching this on YouTube, and he sees that I had the shortstop position open on my screen for way too long, <laughs> and then he selects Tim Anderson yeah. to make sure that I do not want You were going to take Anderson? I was going to take Anderson. Yeah, well, oh. one of us was going to take Tim Anderson. There's still, there's still three people who need a shortstop, and we're, we're down to basically Jazz Chisholm, Bobby Witt, and Willie Adamas. So, uh, so, so are, much for that depth. Are you forcing me to take a shortstop here, Scott? Is that I, what you're I saying? I don't know. Oh, jeez. Do what you want, Frank. Oh, no. Meanwhile, Chris took Christian Yelich. That was the... Yeah, that was the upside outfit. And, you know, part of it is I'm higher on him than pretty much anyone at this point. And a big part of it is, like, outside of 2020, when his strikeout rate ballooned to 31%, the plate discipline has still been awesome. He's still been one of the highest walk rate guys in baseball each of the past three seasons. He walked 15% of the time last season. So I just think like, I don't know, it's entirely possible that that back injury is just going to ruin his career, but there are enough positive signs in his swing. He still hit the ball really, really hard. Uh, So it's not like there was some gigantic dip. You know, his sprint speed was still 81st percentile. So it's not like there was some gigantic warning sign that like, not only was he hurt, but God, he couldn't play anymore. That I just think, when you're talking about this kind of format and you're talking about separating yourself from people at each position, Yelich is, I don't know if he's the only player left who has 600 point upside, um, but he's certainly the only one who's done it twice uh, remaining at that point. So that's, um, for me, that's just the bet on upside and the bet that, you know, you're going to try to differentiate yourself somehow. That's, that's my way of doing it. I will take your 600 points scored twice and raise you a J.D. Martinez. I feel like he's probably done that before, right, Chris? Um, I, Maybe. He's did he hit did 600 he stay, once. Did he stay healthy long enough? Yeah, I think that's he probably He only did it once. Nelson right. Cruz might have, but I don't think so. I don't know if he walked enough. Nope, he's never done it. Mm. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, you, uh, you, you did it. Didn't look it up, but it felt right. Money off the bat. Money where your mouth is, selecting Christian Yelich after you did that. 
We see Pablo Lopez, Jesse Winker, Tim Anderson. I selected Willie Adamas because I just couldn't stomach the idea of Scott getting Willie Adamas and me not having a, what I consider a top-tier shortstop. Uh, so I selected Willie Adamas, filling out my infield, and then Kyle Schwarber, Jazz Chisholm, Giancarlo Stanton, and Scotty's now up for two. And with the first pick, you select Ranger Suarez, who is ah. arguably the top SPARP in this format. That is a starting pitcher who has relief pitcher eligibility, which is basically like a cheat code. Um, so, Scott, what are you thinking with this next pick? Well, boy, I made the wrong choice at the turn last time when I took Brandon Lau because I had a second base need. I also had a shortstop need, and there was just a run of shortstops this past round. Carlos Correa, Javier Baez, Tim Anderson. You took Willie Adamas. And I'm not the last one who needs a shortstop, so I think I'm going to take. I think I'm going to take Bobby Witt here. It, it would be different if there was an, another pick screaming out at me. I think alternatively, I'd take JD Martinez, which doesn't sound particularly thrilling to me. <laughs> um, but I wish I had taken a shortstop because Jonathan India is still here. You know, right. and and that's 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 why I don't like picking at the end is because you just that many picks in between all kinds of crazy stuff can happen. It's, it's harder to anticipate what's going to be available to you with your next pick. Uh, it, it looked like second base was depleting a lot faster than shortstop, but ADP that turned out, out not to be this case. The case. ADP goes out the window in, in uh, when you're picking at the edge, I, I, at the end of the draft, I think you just have to take your guy. It was yeah. less ADP than tears. Yeah, right, 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 there, right. There were five shortstops I felt equally good about and three second basemen. So I took the second baseman. Yeah, yeah. Scotty oh, wow. made a gamble there, and uh, just yeah. turns out that it was uh, it was shortstop. It was the shortstop run that happened instead of the second base run. So you know you, you got to take those chances, and, and ultimately, by the way, that's what happens. Frank, I need to. I need to. I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that I lied. <laughs> Oof. All right. There was another pit player who is still available who scored 600 points. Okay, no name dropping. This format twice. You can reveal them once they are selected if you think that they're going to be selected. Oh, I know who it is. And they will be. Mm, okay. I know who it is. All right. I'm I'm interested. Um, Profit pocket, baby. Oh, the pocket. The hot pocket. Um I I can you I only have one outfielder. Man, do I want to double down on uh on my Chicago White Sox. Mercy! I think, uh, yeah, let's do it. I mean, I don't think that a points league is maybe the best format for, for Eloy Jimenez. He doesn't walk all that much, and he's probably going to strike out more than you like. But much like Luis Robert, his teammate, if he breaks out and does what I think that he can do overall, if he hits 35-plus homers and he hits 280, yeah. then it's it's not really going to matter in, in this format. He's, he's still going to be awesome. So uh, I think the counting stats could be really good in that lineup in that Chicago White Sox lineup. So I'm in Eloy Jimenez in, in round nine. Um, whereas typically I, I feel like he usually goes in like round five or six, I don't know, maybe like round yeah, seven. So I'll, I'll take a discount. The, the thing with this format is like, it's really hard for a hitter to be elite if they don't have good plate discipline. You know, you're talking that 600 point range, but Nick Castellanos has been in the 460 to 500 point range for even before his breakout. And J.D. Martinez was often in the 500 to 540 range. And those guys don't necessarily have great place discipline. You're talking about above average strikeout rates, below average walk rates for both of them. It's 
but you can still be very, very good. And Elo Jimenez could still be a very, very good points player. He just, it's hard to see him ever having the, the elite season. You know, a lot of things would have to go right. This is the year, Chris, that everything will go right for Eloy Jimenez. Just stay healthy, please. Eloy, just stay healthy, bud. I mean, sometimes everything goes right. You know, <laughs> it happens. For sure. Uh, after I selected Eloy Jimenez, we see Shane Boz go 102nd overall. He's another pitcher where the further we go into this lockout, you know, I, I think regardless, he's probably someone who's going to pitch maybe t- between 100 and 130 innings this year. But the less games that there are overall, uh, that means his workload will account for more of the season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wrote about that on on the the site today. Just just kind of an update on where the negotiations stand and what the impact could be. And that was one of them is just that injured guys and prospects, you know, with the season being delayed, could be in line for, especially if, as was reported on Tuesday or Monday. Today's Monday. Um, as was reported on Monday, that if they don't have a deal by Tuesday. Uh, they're not going to play a full 162. So, you know, that that would certainly, in addition to the expected... I thought it was a given anyway, but apparently not. Apparently not, yeah. I mean, I think it, they're sort of just still dangling threats, but especially with the idea that, you know, we assume there will be some sort of incentive for teams to call their top prospects up at the start of the season. Yeah, and for for anyone wants to get, who wants to get caught up on... The latest, again, check out Chris's article on the site, cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. And uh, I will promote another piece of work. Uh, Randy Levine, who is the team president of the New York Yankees, he was on the Michael K show, uh, if anyone's interested. I, I, th- I thought it was pretty interesting to like hear, I guess, are, the other are side. You promoting, are you promoting Randy Levine as a piece of work? Uh, yes. Yes, as is exactly that, Chris, as a piece of work. Um, I, I felt like you kind of heard some desperation in his voice, too. Like, let's just get this done. Um, like, obviously, both the the owners and the players need to make some concessions at, at this point. But, um, yeah, let's let's do that. Let's let's just get this done. And let's get people caught up on the latest in this draft as well. Uh, Joey Votto, was that the player we were referring to, Chris? Yes. Okay. Yes. So what multiple 600 point seasons. Yeah, the profit pockets got crushed here all of a sudden. Mm, profit pocket. All right. First baseman flying off the board after Joey Votto. Cody Bellinger goes. Chris, fantastic selection of Framber Valdez, someone who excels in points leagues. Maybe the whip's mm-hmm. going to be higher in a categories league, but uh, someone who uh, pitches more to contact. He's going to go deep into his starts. Probably going to get a lot of wins with the Houston Astros. He was someone that I was eyeing as my SP4, but that will not happen, apparently. <laughs> after you selected Framber Valdez, Reese Hoskins, Yasmani Grandal, and Anthony Rendon. Three picks I also really like at this point in a head-to-head points mm-hmm. league. Uh, to start round 10, we see Mitch Hanniger, Chris Bassett, Marcelo Zuna. Uh, Chris, you selected Eduardo Rodriguez. And then another traditional reliever in Ryan Presley, the closer wow. of the Houston Astros. That's before, isn't that before Rysel Iglesias? Rysel and Emmanuel Classe, yeah. Emmanuel Classe, that's, that's interesting. Interesting. And, mm-hmm. you'll, and you'll notice, because now the last pick is J.D. Martinez, Marcelo Zuna went before JD Martinez. So there are a few um mm. few a few surprise picks here. But uh, it's like we talked about I think on yesterday's podcast, you know, with Marcelo Zuna, he probably should just be going in this range. Yeah, but ahead of JD Martinez, his track record in recent years, I, I mean, one of the last 3 seasons Ozuna's had a good season. 
Uh, then oh. it was the short 2020 season. He he was awful for the time he was available last season. He wasn't so hot in 2019 as well. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, remember 2019, he was like the poster child of expected statistics. Yeah. And we all used that as a reason to draft him in 2020. But, um, yeah, still 29 homers, 89 RBI, and 130 games. So he probably would have gotten to yeah, but JD Martinez, Right, yeah. Pencil him in for 330 every year. Yeah, strong 290. 30. Strong plate discipline in this format. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like, even if there was there were no concerns over Marcelo Zuna and maybe what his playing time is or what his situation yeah. is, I would still take JD Martinez, I think, just uh, in a vacuum over Marcelo Zuna. Uh, but after Ryan Presley went, we do finally see JD Martinez and Tyler Malley as the next two picks off the board. Uh, I've got about five seconds to make a pick. And I will be selecting Sean Manaya, who I'm okay with, probably would rather have him as my SP5 in this format. But to this point, I have Garrett Cole, Logan Webb, Jack Flaherty, Sean Manaya as my top four starting pitchers in a head-to-head points league. Kind of wish it was better. So looking back on those early round picks where you know, I selected Luis Robert and I said, oh, let's see how this turns out. I think I probably should have taken a pitcher there, but... Uh, that's just me being greedy in this format, uh, if we're being honest. After Sean Manaya goes, we see Trevor Bauer go 117th overall. And then Adolis Garcia, who takes quite a bit of a hit in this format. The plate discipline uh, leaves a lot to be desired. We're talking about Javier Baez levels of plate discipline, 30% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate. So uh, maybe he's a little bit undervalued in a categories league right now based on ADP, mm-hmm. but uh, in a points league, uh, I, I do. I think this is too early for him, and uh, definitely going <laughs> a, ahead of Tyler O'Neill was. He just, he he just went before too. Tyler. I, I don't want to rag on anybody's picks, right. but I, you know, <laughs> a totally scarce. I, yeah, no, that's um, it's it's not a great format for him, and there's a lot more skepticism about the performance than there is for Tyler O'Neill. So that's very surprising mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Scott. I don't want to rag on anyone's picks, but like, if you selected a Dolis Garcia, I would make fun of you. So. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, you're on the uh, clock for two picks. So what are we doing here? Well, Scotty? and I think I'm going to do something I never, ever, ever, ever do in points leagues. Mm. Uh, first of all, I'm going to take Josh Bell. But that's not the thing I never, ever do. But, you know, he's one take of two rel- remaining from the top pocket. And I don't have a first baseman yet. Yes, I'm going to take one of the top closers here. I'm going to take Rice Iglesias. Yeah. That's weird. Have you now filled out? I mean, they've been falling too far. Have you been? Have you uh, filled yeah, out your starting? I'd never, I'd, I'd never dream of doing this normally. Okay, yeah. so you haven't filled out your starting pitchers yet. You still have one spot available, but yeah, have, I mean, have, I could flex Suarez over there, Ranger right. Suarez over there, if I wanted to. But obviously, that's yeah. But I think part of his appeal is the fact that you can use him as a relief pitcher in this format. So you've oh, got, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. just to to put some context on that for people who haven't played this format or don't know, you know, what the 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 value of a spark would be last season. Uh, let's see, Garrett Liam Hendricks was the number one reliever, and he had 503 points. That's a real outlier. Rysel Iglesias was 437. Kenley Jansen 433. Uh, if you can get a starting pitcher in a re- who's relief pitcher eligible who can just be decent, I mean Anthony Desclafani last season outscored um, every reliever but two. Now, he wasn't a smart, but that's the kind of pitcher that you're right. talking about. Anthony Desclafani, Tyler Malley, Chris right. Bassett were not exactly anyone's ideas of really, really valuable starting pitchers, and yet they all 
we're right there with the number two reliever. So that's the edge that a spark can give you. What can happen though in this format, like during a season, uh, during the heat of the season where all the best pitchers are already rostered and not talking the context of a draft, obviously talking about filling out your lineup off the waiver wire during a season is it, it, it is, it is probable that at some point during the season, there will be a reliable saves earner who's on waivers mm-hmm. and not a great streamer option at starting pitchers. So there definitely could come a time during the mm-hmm. season where I end up using Ranger Suarez in the SP slot, even if that's not the optimal lineup setup setting uh set up for me all right before we get into round 11 what we're going to do for those on the listening side we're going to sign off our one and then we're going to jump into uh round two so so get ready for that but uh for the meantime we're we're wrapping up our one here on fantasy baseball today okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 